Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. This time we're going to have the first through fifth graders. Yeah, bring those up slowly, man. Come on, that's, that's bright. <laughs> uh, first through fifth, if you guys want to line up at the back door over there, you'll be going back for your class. Uh, also, one thing of note is that uh, today they'll be, they're going to be going over exactly what we're going over today. Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, Mandy, our children's pastor, she has a, a printout that they'll be going over, and it, it's really simple. And at the there's four questions, and it says, what verse stuck out to you and why? What did you learn about Jesus? What does it mean to walk in the light? And who is someone that you look up to today? The purpose of this is for you as a family to sit down together so that the kids are being taught something, we're being taught something over here, and you can sit down together at a table and have a meal together, put the phones down, sorry, I'm getting a little uh, in your business today, uh, put the phones down, look at each other, have a conversation, and as you watch the Cowboys today, that's even acceptable, right, and just say, hey, what, what did you learn today, what, what verse stuck out to you, and, and the goal is for conversations to begin to be had and for you to be able to take something that you learned here today, probably not from me, but probably from the Holy Spirit that goes, hey, here you go. Hey, before we get into that, from time to time, what we do is we allow, uh, that sounded dumb, we, we provide, we give opportunity for the Lord to just share a testimony. And uh, today, Josh, you want to come on up? And uh, Josh has been uh, really, the Lord's been doing a lot of things in Josh's life. Uh, and, and first, we just want to affirm that that work is what he's doing in you. You're pulling my mic down, so be careful there. Uh, that, that the Lord is doing a, a work in you, and we're excited to see that, excited to partner with you. And so if you just want to share with them uh, kind of what the Lord's been doing, we'd love to just partner with you. Hey, and here's the thing. Josh is passionate right now. He loves the Lord. And so this is sometimes, you know, Jesus said, come to the well. Right, and you'll never be thirsty again. It might sound like a fire hose today, all right? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. you're coming to the fire hose because the Lord's doing, doing a good work in you, and so we just want to partner with you. Yes, so, yes, you take right. it. I'll stay here if I have to pull yeah. it back, all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's pray first. Uh, Father God, we humbly come before you, Lord. Father God, I ask you to just kill my flesh, Father, right now. Kill all my flesh. Kill my ways of... The world of how I want to speak and how I want to talk. Holy Spirit, speak through me what you want me to share to the congregation of the church, Father. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just take a firing coal and stick it to my lips so that the Holy Spirit may speak and flow through me and through other people to lead them to you, Father. Because it's not about us, Father. We don't deserve you. We don't deserve your glory. And we don't deserve the time that we get with you, Father, which is very, very precious. God, the Holy Spirit has no time limit. There's no time limit on the Holy Spirit. He will have his way and he will get his way. And that's what I ask for you right now, Holy Spirit, is just to just take this room and just fill it with peace Fill it with strength. Fill it with hope. You're the Jehovah Jireh. You're the way. You're the Abba. You're the Father. You're the beginning. You're the end. You're the Alpha. You're the Omega. Father God, you're such an amazing God that we serve. I just pray as we leave church today, Father, that people that didn't know you, Father, people that were walking the lines of lukewarm, Become warm and all for you, Lord. Holy Spirit, like you told me last night, Adele is very, very anointed. And this church is very anointed. 
But like you showed me in Miss Diane Barber, my gamey, like you showed me in her last night, a lot of people in the church, not just this church, but multiple churches, have a piece of duct tape on their mouth. And they're stuck. Because it hasn't been manifested in their life who you truly are, Lord. There's no more being quiet, Father. We're going to shake the walls like Jericho, Father. You will have your way in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Well, my name is Joshua, and uh, <clears throat> I go by—I used to go by Josh, but my real name is Joshua. <laughs> uh, so, God and the Holy Spirit have sat me down, put a complete stop to my life. You know, uh, I was living a very fast life. I was living how I wanted to live it. I didn't care about anybody else but myself. And one of my favorite things that I loved to do was get baptized. And baptized was the biggest thing I loved to do. I loved to get baptized because I thought every single time I committed to sin and got baptized that I was going to be whole and made new again. I know it's kind of crazy. My mind thinks it's crazy sometimes. But, uh... So whenever I finally found the true meaning, and that's why I can't wait to get baptized truly this time. When I found the true meaning of what it means to die to yourself, die to yourself. Not, not die to myself today and then I'm going to live for the world tomorrow, but die for myself forever, for eternity. Whenever I decided that I wanted to die to myself so that I can live in the image of him. And that's where I want to be with God. Now, a couple of Sundays ago, you would catch me with my hands on the chairs, waiting for pastor to stop preaching, waiting for the praise and worship to stop, because I had no connection between me and God. I've been spoken through through the Holy Spirit and through God, through Diane Barber, which is my gamey. I've been spoken through through her, and I'll talk about her a lot of my testimony, so I'm going to say just Miss Diane, but everyone knows that's my gamey. Um, I've been spoken through a lot, a lot of prophecies, a lot of churches, a lot of pastors. A lot. And it meant nothing. It meant nothing to me because I didn't know who God was until he manifested himself to me in front of my face. And you know, like we say in the world, let a man be a man of his word. Well, I wanted God to show me. You're, you're, you're a man of your word, right, God? So prove it. Prove it to me that you're a man of your word. And that Saturday night, me and my gammy looked at each other. And we were worn down, tired. And I'll tell you why we were worn down and tired. It was because of my flesh and my ways and the desires of what my heart wants and not what my spirit man wanted. I decided to do things the worldly way. I decided to get married without knowing somebody. I decided to have a child with somebody without knowing somebody. I decided all these things in my life. And God still showed me mercy in the end. Saturday night, I told God, I said, I can't go no more. I said, you know what? I said, you have your way. I'm tired. I'm not going to be in control no more because every single time I'm in control, I never learn from my situations. I keep doing the same thing. My flesh loves it. I mean, I just, my flesh is not a good person at all, especially when it comes to 4th of July, New Year's, and fireworks, and he tells me no. I didn't like that. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, so uh, I told God, I said, God, I'm about to completely stop following you, 100%. I'm about to not serve you. I'm about to not serve Jesus. I'm about to have nothing a part of you guys because I couldn't understand the word, which is living. And when I finally surrendered and I told God in my heart and I meant it, in my spirit, man, for him to have his way in my life and take full control, that Saturday night me and her stayed up and prayed for hours, hours. Kind of backtrack Friday when Tony picked me up. 
to go to San Angelo. I had a dentist appointment. Tony knows. Back to back to back to back calls. I was dealing with attorneys. I was dealing with trial dates. I was dealing with so many things at once. And I'm only 28 years old. And I'm like, when is this going to come to an end? When is this going to stop? And I remember the Lydium guardian called me in North Dakota. She said, Joshua, she said, you're going to need an attorney. You're about to lose your son. I haven't seen my son in two years. He was taken from me for no reason. Just because I left his mom, because that's not what I wanted in my life. She took him, she snatched him, and left with him. And I've had to live without my son. And that's whenever I used it for my advantage and said, God will prove yourself to me. If you're real, give me my son back. I want my son. Sunday night, we started praying and we said, God, we said, we were praying right now over this trial paperwork that you extend my trial date so that I can be able to afford attorney. Because I was in an accident a couple months ago, and my income is not great right now. So I asked for an extension. That's what I wanted. And I was going to pray for that. And if I couldn't get that, I was going to do via Zoom and take what I got in the court. So Monday comes, and my truck's in the shop, and the mechanic calls, and he's like, hey, man, you know, we're going to need you to come get your truck today. I said, okay. The Lydium Guardian calls me, and she's like, Hey, Josh, I need to talk to you. I just spoke to your mom's attorney, your son's mom's attorney. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what now? Like, it's been nothing but bad things over and over and over again. So what now? And she's like, no, 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 I got good news. Do you have a minute? And I said, yeah, I have a minute. And I'm thinking that, you know, the extension got extended. I didn't know what was going on at this point, right? She said that there was too much evidence against my son's mom that the courts and everybody found that they discontinued my case. The courts closed <clears throat> the courts the courts closed my case. I was I was in a trial for my parental rights to be removed completely for something I didn't even do. And God moved through for me. And I'm sharing that because for me personally and for me and my family, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, I didn't come to know the Lord until he manifested himself to me. I've been spoken, words have been spoken into me, and I believed it and I received it, but I didn't know in my spirit, man, how living the word was until God showed me who he truly was. And now he just won't leave me alone. Like, I, I'm serious. Like, Saturday I was in my word and I didn't eat. Sunday I was in my word and we didn't eat till dinner time. Today I didn't even get to eat breakfast because he had me in my word at 7 in the morning. I can't get enough of him. You know why? Because my, my soul, my soul in Midland, Odessa, Texas, my soul was headed to hell. I was going to hell. And God has spared my life many, many times and saved me from car accidents to multiple things that have happened to me. And he has always shown me grace. Because that woman was praying for my soul while I was out living my life how I wanted to live it. I'm going to share another thing. I was in Oklahoma City, and I was at the Chesapeake Arena. And I was going through a lot of things. I didn't really want to be there. I didn't care to be there. I didn't want to hear about Jesus. Jesus was not something I wanted to hear about. Okay? I don't know if y'all know who the prophet Reinhard Bonnke is, but Reinhard Bonnke is a prophet. I've, and, and, and just to say, we went to a church called Tabernacle of Praise, Pastor Gary Oliver, and we have seen people walk in front of the stage. We have seen people be able to be delivered from back pain. We've seen people that have been able to move past what they were going through and the tribulations that they had going on. We've, I've seen it with my eyes, but I still didn't believe it. She prayed over me when I was a baby because I was never supposed to walk. I'm not supposed to be walking right now, never. But I cared so less about my life that I didn't care. That didn't matter to me. I can walk. I mean, I was born that way. What do you mean you prayed over my legs? That's a myth. And, and that's how I thought. And I've been prophesied over all my life, but I never really understood prophecy. And when Ryan Harnbonke spoke over me, he told me, he said, 
you're a Lazarus. And I was like, well, what is that? You're going to raise people from the dead, meaning evangelism. And that's a big thing for me because I've always cared about the image of what people saw me as or what I drove or the kind of shoes that I wore or what people thought about my life or my income. Why does it matter? God, people, disciples came to God broken with nothing. And I'm like that, I'm like the, I'm like the woman in Bethlehem with the, with the little, the little coin and she's given her last coin that she doesn't have. Because you know why? I'm giving my offering. Because a couple, like a year ago, I was giving a dollar and an offering with hundreds and thousands of dollars in the bank that my wife took from me. And I'm grateful for it because if he didn't kill my flesh, then how would he save me? You know, and that's a big thing for me. So the, my, my biggest thing is, is that from here is that let God be your judge. Let God be your attorney. Okay? When you, when, you, when you go to church on Sunday, don't just raise your hands and then go throughout through your day of Monday through Friday. When you go to church on Sunday, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive God's gift that he has for you because time is short, time is valuable, and time is about to come to an end. It's just going to happen. I mean, we all go one day. So I hope my testimony means something to you guys, me sharing this to you guys, because... Churches are hurting, and we're being really quiet, and we got to quit being quiet, and we need to start standing up for God's kingdom and stop putting a timing on when and where we're going to stop the services, because there's somebody here today that might either say their life's saved, and they get in that vehicle, and they leave that church, and someone hits them on the way out and kills them. You don't, we don't get second chances once we die. Then we go to judgment. And I want to be judged for doing things for God's kingdom. That's my biggest thing. And, and Wednesday night, the Wednesday night Bible study that we had, the things that were spoken over me, and the things that pastors shared to me, that took a big part of what was revealed to me on Sunday. That woman on her knees praying every single night, in her word every day, while I was out doing my own thing, is a woman of God. That woman, you cannot get anything over on her. The Holy Spirit will reveal it. He will call it out, and you will be revealed. I can't. I can't get away with nothing in the house. I promise. So with that being said, I just pray that you guys take my testimony serious. Because it took me 13 years for God to manifest himself to me. And I was getting ready to walk away from God. I was getting ready to walk away from Jesus in general. I didn't care. If I was going to hell, I was going to hell. I didn't care. Because it was like gibberish to me. When pastor would speak, it was gibberish. But when he manifests himself in front of you, man, (laughs) it's a feeling that you'll never forget. So I appreciate this time, and I appreciate you all allowing me to share my testimony and it's never too late to accept Jesus in your heart. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love you, brother. All right. Well, on to that gibberish here. <laughs> Same thing my wife says. It's just like gibberish listening to you. <laughs> oh, man. What a, what a good day. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. We're kind of continuing through this passage. And man, we're, today it's like nitty-gritty, like really practical. You know, uh, sometimes it just, it just works that way out whenever you're studying through the Word. It's like, man, it's really pretty simple. As we go through here, it's like verse by verse. So that's, that's what it's going to look like today. We're going to be Ephesians chapter 5. We will like read maybe five verses, talk about it, and then read some more. Verse number one, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, 
a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard among you, as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexual immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You know, we, we talk about this each time, like Ephesians 1 through 3, it's really just that like doctrinal theology of setting their minds right. And then it starts in verse, uh, in chapter 4, where he says, therefore, so in light of everything that you just heard, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Then he, then he goes through there and he, uh, verse 17 in chapter 4, therefore, I say this and testify this, for chapter 5, therefore. So everything that we know and we've heard, he says, therefore, be imitators of God. We, we are called, like we sing the song, Christ be magnified, right? Like, let the altar of my life be a worship of him so that I am to imitate him in all of my speech, my conduct, my thoughts. But sometimes when we think, when we talk about imitating, you know, you look at kids and, and how they, they will imitate their parents, they'll imitate their friends. Uh, even me and Lauren were talking last night, my wife, uh, she, she was talking about somehow she has a time limit on her phone for certain apps. It's probably a pretty wise thing as I got my screen time notification this morning. You know, and she's like, and, she, and Oliver saw, saw Ollie is, uh, he, he just had a birthday. So he's one year older than he was last year. I can't remember. But eight or nine. But he saw his mom like hit ignore time limit. And then he goes, oh, that's what I do on my iPad too. And she's like, what? And so like. He imitated it. He saw it from somewhere. Kids will imitate their fathers, right? Like uh, Noah, our oldest son, he's 21. He's back there with his beautiful baby, beautiful wife. And uh, we, some of the earliest pictures are Noah in a UT shirt. Hook him, baby, right? I mean, that's, that's who we are. That's, that's what we are, right? And I mean, his earliest pictures, he doesn't even know what he's doing, and he's doing that. And I'm like, that's right. That's what we do. But we imitate the people that we look up to. And it says, be imitators of God. I think a lot of times when we think about that word imitate, it means, so now we get to do this and do that in order to be like him. But the sermons that are do this and do that, they're no good. They're not valuable because they're trying to get us to do something instead of be something. It says, be imitators of God. It doesn't say do these things so that you can imitate God. It says be an imitator of God. We look like Romans chapter 12. It says do not be what conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world is trying to conform you into somebody or into something but the Lord is trying to transform you into somebody. You see, the world wants to conform you to something. Something that's useful to them. But the Lord is trying to transform you into somebody to be somebody for him. And so when we talk about this, be imitators of God, it's about being who we were called to be. It's a not, and there will be some things that we talk about today that are do this, do that. But if it only goes to do this and do that, that's a sermon that we call, we call those doo-doo sermons. Because they stink. They don't work. Behavior modification, where it's just do this, you'll be great. Right? Do this. Seven-minute abs. Do this, you'll be great. Don't do this, you'll be good. And it's all to modify our behaviors, but it doesn't do anything to our heart. This is so important because we're going to talk about to be an imitator of God means to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. Our walk is very important. There's a, there is a couple that's here today that started coming because they observed someone in this church's walk and goes, man, that's what I want to be like. I want to be able to respond in that way. The more convicting part is how many people are not in this church because they've seen, I'll say, our walk. How many people go, oh, that's where he's a pastor at. Okay, not going to go there. Not going to go to church at all. 
oh, you see, you see that our walk is so important that we have to walk in love. And when, when we look through there, it says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. The only way that we can be an imitator of God is to, that first part is as dearly loved children. You will not imitate someone that you do not feel that you are loved by. You are loved as dearly children to him. Right? When Jesus was baptized, the, the dove descended, right? And he says, what? This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. In order to imitate him, the first step is to know that in our minds that we are dearly loved children. The word all in the New Testament says right, that we've been adopted into a family. That you are no longer slaves, but now that you're sons of God. And if you're sons of God, then you're an heir. And if you're a co-heir with Christ, we are sons of God. You are daughters of God. So therefore, that should cause us to want to imitate our father. But at the heart of the imitation, as we look at walking in love, as we talk about walking in light and walking in wisdom which are straight from the scripture. It's not something that I came up with. But as we look at that, the only way to imitate someone is to know them. You can't imitate somebody that you don't know. You can't mimic them. That, that, the word right there that says, therefore be imitators. That word in the Greek means to mimic or, or to mime, to become like someone, to do what they do. When, when Jesus called his disciples and he said, come follow me, what he was saying was come and imitate me. Believe what I believe. Teach what I teach. Do as I do. And, and even as they were training them to speak and to talk and to give messages, they would teach them how to imitate their actions, how, how to imitate their speech patterns. We talk about it. We talked about it Wednesday night at Bible study was that even couples the longer that they've been together, the more they begin to look alike. And it has very, uh, some of y'all are like, dang, that's not good, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, but what happens is it, it's not a physical thing, but you begin to talk like them, speak like them, think like them. And so you begin to look alike because it's as if y'all have been together so long. You, you, Im, you mimic somebody without even them knowing it, without even you knowing it. You just pick up on it. It's pretty evident sometimes on, on a job site. I, I work construction, and you know it's primarily Hispanics. When I say primarily, I'm the only one that's not a Hispanic on the construction site. If I'm not careful, I'll speak English, but you kind of put that little Spanish twist on it to where you think you're talking some Spanish because you're, you're mimicking their behavior because you're trying to say the words that they say in, in the right way. Like I even like fuel filter, right? You got to change a fuel filter. Well, the, the boss calls it filtral. And so like I was talking to my wife to, and, and I said the word filtral and I'm like, she's like, what? I'm like, I don't know. That's how he says it. Maybe it's Spanish. Maybe that's just how he says it. I'm sorry. But like, you know, you just begin to mimic somebody. The only way to mimic them is to be near them, to know them. You can't mimic somebody that you're not near to, that you're not spending time with. And we're going to be talking about walking in love, walking in light, walking in wisdom. But to mimic, to imitate someone, you have to be near to them. You have to know them. I am a people watcher. Love to just watch people. You know, and uh, at one point when we were at the other campus together and at Brock, uh, the pastor there, Jesse, he, he goes, hey, you've got, you've got five minutes to just imitate me. And he was talking through this, and I was like, all right, because I know. I, I know all his little things that, that he doesn't even pick up on. You know, he, he has this one arm. He, he got injured, and so it, only, it doesn't extend all the way. And so he's always, he'll do this a lot when he talks, you know. And so all you got to do is do that. And he's like, I don't do that. I'm like, go back and watch the live stream. He's like. He did. He's like, that's dumb. I didn't know I did that. You know, he does that. Or uh, when he speaks, he'll, he'll be preaching. And, he, and my wife does a great job to tell me all the things that I say wrong and do. But like, uh, are the words that I say over and over. But Jesse, when he's preaching, he always says, right? He's like, oh, say, hey, we're going we're gonna to be in chapter, uh, Ephesians 5 today, right? Right, right. And so like, I point that out to him. And he's like, dude, 
Now I'm not going to be able to think about that. I'm like, I know, man, I'm sorry. But you told me you gave me a free reign of five minutes. And it was so good because I know him so well. It wasn't even like I had to sit back and think like, oh, what does he do? You know, like I just, you're around somebody. You, you imitate them. You know them. And the only way to do that is to be near to them. So you're, you're dearly loved children who spends time with him. It has very little to do with actually our speech and our actions when, we, when we're talking through these things because those things all start within us. It's the words that we say, they're formed in our mind first. And it's to imitate him, to mimic him, is to go, how would Jesus respond? And then you respond in that way. Jesus said, do you, do you remember the passage? Jesus said, hey, I only say what the Father tells me to say. And I only do what I've seen the Father do. Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. What did he tell his disciples in John 14? He said, hey, I'm going to go to my Father's house. Don't worry, I'll make a room for you. They still didn't get it. And they said, hey, who is the Father? Show us the way. And he goes, hey, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. Jesus was the perfect, the, 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 word, the scripture says, the exact representation of the Father. And Jesus is Jesus, but, but we are called to be the exact representation to the lost and broken world out there ourselves. They, they should say, oh, I, I don't know if I've seen Jesus, but I, I saw this in this person. When they look at us, they should see Jesus through us. So we're going to begin to just look at what that means because it says, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love. As Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. We're going to be talking about walking in love. But what I love is when it says be an imitator of God. God doesn't do things in love, out of love. He, he is love. So, so that's what we're talking about. It's not necessarily the actions, but it's the heart and the essence of who we, we are becoming. So he says imitate God because God is love. As Christ also loved and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Our love, when we walk in love, it should be out of a sacrificial love. It should cost us something to love him and to love others. If it's not costing you to love, then, it, then it's not enough love. You know, like Jesus said, hey, while we were yet enemies... He died for us. You see, it wasn't like when you got your act together, then he loved you. It was a sacrificial love that says that while you were an enemy of him, he died for you. The sacrificial love means to die to myself for others. Have you ever said these things, thought these things? You're like, Man, this is killing me to have to do this, you know. And, and maybe it's to apologize. Maybe it's to give out of, you know, where you don't necessarily have the abundance, but you, you're like, man, this is really killing me to do this. That's because it's sacrificial love. To love someone sacrificially means that literally my flesh has to die for their benefit. That I would rather... Give up everything that I have for them to do better than me. That love has to cost me something. Otherwise, it's not sacrificial love. As soon as it doesn't have to cost me anything, then it really wasn't love. It was just easy. Love is difficult because it causes our flesh to die. And here's the beauty of it. It says, because... A sacrificial and a fragrant offering to God. One of the versions, I believe the NIV says, that it's a sweet-smelling aroma. That the way that we love Him and love others is a sweet-smelling aroma to Him. How many, I mean, aren't we always like, man, Lord, I just want you to be pleased. I want you to be happy. I, I want to... Just know that I'm in the will of God. Yeah, you want to be in the will of God. Love others to the point that it's a sweet aroma to his nose. The way that you love others is not about you even. It's also that it's for him and for his glory and for his benefit. 
It's an unconditional love. If we're going to walk in love, then it can't be with conditions. It can't be, I will love you up until this point. Or I will love you this much. I will love you until you do this. It's not the way that it works. To love others, it means to love them unconditionally. That no matter what they do or say, it doesn't cause you to withhold your love from them again. Because can you imagine it says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies to him, that Christ died for us. Knowing that he died for you, but yet some people are going to reject him, but yet he died for them too. He died for once for all. It, It has to be an unconditional love that does not withhold based on your behavior, based on your reciprocating that. To love others, to walk in love, to be an imitator of God means that I'm going to love you guys no matter what. And I don't get to decide how much I'm going to love you. There should be no limit to the length and width depth that I, of my love for you. I, I should not be able to say, I can only love you this much because that's all that I have. No. There's no limit that goes, okay, I can't do it anymore. Once there's a limit, then there's no death of me. You see, I have to die because I love you guys so much. And not just you, everyone. Just as Christ loved us. We have to walk in forgiveness. To to walk in love means that forgiveness is part of who I am. That there's no grudges, there's no bitterness, there's no strife, there's no envy, there's no offense between us. To walk in forgiveness is to walk in love. To hold something over somebody because they said something, they looked at you a certain way, they cut you off, right? Like on the road, like whatever it is. That's not what love is about. This past week, uh, or maybe it was two weeks ago, uh, I had my nephews in the car with me, and we were driving. And, you know, when, when the lanes go from two to one, it can be kind of tricky, you know, for some people. And uh, for me, it, uh, it's pretty well understood how it works. But some people out there, they don't understand it. And uh, this guy didn't understand what was supposed to happen right there. And he let me know of his displeasure of my decision uh, by showing of, of a single finger. And uh, the, 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 my nephews was like, Hey, Jeff, he just gave you the bird. I was like, hey, it's all right. He learned a valuable lesson today. He's not any more important than the rest of us, you know? And I was so proud. And, I was, and then, like, I was driving down the road, and I was like, man, that was a jerk move, you know? Like, okay. So then I had to confess to my nephews. I was like, actually, to be honest, that, that was rude. I, I, I caused that to happen just by being a jerk. And so, you know, because what can happen is you're out there on the road and things happen. But the same way has to happen that no matter what, We cannot allow unforgiveness to fester in us. To think that we are going to be imitators of God, but yet hold on to things that people said or did to us or said about us, that that's okay because we're justified. You're not justified in that. You look just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. How did Christ love us? He loved us by serving his disciples. When he took on the role of a servant to wash their feet. The way that we can love one another is by serving one another. The way that we can serve one another is to make sure that even if they can do something for themselves, that we, can st- that we do it for them. We lay down what we want to do to serve one another. Compassion and kindness means to walk in love. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word 
or a speech, but in action and truth. <laughs> that one's convicting, isn't it? If you see a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion, how does God's love reside in you? Is that not convicting right there? Because it, a lot of times it's easier to just turn our head. Just go, oh, no, it's okay. They're, they'll be fine. They'll get through it. Oh, the, Lord's, the Lord is their provider, right? Instead of like, yeah, yeah, and he chose you to help them out. If we see anyone in need and lack compassion, then how is the love of God in me? How can we look at our fellow brothers and sisters in need and hurt and pain and just not feel a thing for them? If we can, then the love of God is not in us. There is no limit to our love for God and for others. And how about this to end that one? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How you love your brothers. That is the one way that they're going to know if we're his disciples is by our love for others. Not how many times we serve in the nursery. Not how big of a tithe check we write. Not, not how many books of the Bible we have memorized and we can know them in order. That's not going to tell anybody that we're his disciple. No. How we love and how we treat one another. That's the true test of being his disciple. To walk in love. Chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient for these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. It's interesting that verse 6 right there, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. That word empty means vain or without backing. So an empty argument means that we're telling you to do these things, but our lives do not back it up. And isn't it interesting that in Revelation chapter 2, when there's the letter to the seven churches, the letter to the church at Ephesus says what? You've forgotten your first love. They, they did all of these things. He said, hey, I commend you for this, 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 and this. For your good works, for this and that. And he says, but, but this I hold it against you. Return back to your first love. Because they became empty arguments. It became do all of these things, but yet there is no backing to it. They Be an imitator of God, but don't look at my life. Let no one deceive you with those empty arguments. Verse 8, it says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. We're talking about walking in the light. The fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. If we're going to walk in that, then goodness must be a part of who we are. Righteousness. And righteousness is right living. Truth. We have to be people that stand on the truth of the word of God. We cannot be led astray by all the things. But if we're going to walk in the light, that means that we are preceded by goodness, by righteousness, and by the truth. In verse 10 there it says, Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. You see, the light proves things. It reveals things. To walk in the light says that nothing is hidden. It's all out before you. You see, once again, it's not necessarily doing these things. It's about being these things. John, Jesus in John chapter 8 said what? I am the light of the world. Right? That whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness again. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, what? That you are the light of the world. You see that, that we are called to be these things. 1 John 1, 7 says that when we walk in the light as he is in the light, then Jesus will cleanse us from sin. 
To walk in the light means that my life is laid bare before you. You will see like, that if you begin to dissect my thoughts, my words, my actions, the way that I speak to my spouse, the way that I speak to my kids, the way that I treat others, is if you expose all of that, then you will see goodness, you will see righteousness, and you will see truth. To walk in the light means hey, I'm, not, I'm not hiding anything from you. It's incredibly difficult to stand up here each week because my life is being examined minute by minute. To, to be able to preach the word to you, it's like, man, and I know it's just a little warmer in here, but maybe it's also that. But, you know, it's like, man, if, if you were to examine my thoughts and my words and my actions, is it goodness, is it righteousness, and is it truth? To walk in the light means that we can discern God's will. Nothing is hidden. It says, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. To walk in the light means to follow after him. To know his will for your life. And you follow after him and you pursue him. It also says it exposes. Do not participate in the fruitless works of darkness. But instead expose them. To walk in the light means that we do not allow sin to take place around us. That if we see sin happening, we call it out in, uh, in others. First, because it's being called out in our lives. But if we see our kids acting a way, talking a certain way, we say, hey, that's not the word of God. If I see my brothers or sisters, first of all, we don't come up to them with a bat and go, hey, you got to get right. Repent now for the kingdom of heaven is near. No. You say, hey, Josh, man, I love you. When you say this, it, it, it reveals something in you that, that I don't know if it's true. Can I, can I sit down with you? You, you see that, that when we call out sin, it, it's always with the heart of restoration. It exposes sin. That when you talk to people, and, and one way to expose that darkness is when they say, you know, it's like, man, I can't ever get this right. And then you say, that's a lie from the pit of, the, of hell. Like, that's not right. Or they say, oh, I'm useless. I'm worthless. Nobody wants me. Nobody cares. You know, to expose it means to call it out. It's not just calling out sin, but calling out the lies that the enemy has spoken over your brothers and sisters. But not only that, we have to reject it. We cannot allow it to take root in our lives. Sin is never okay. A little bit of sin is never okay. Oh, it's not that bad. It's just one time. It's just this. We can never allow that. If we're going to imitate God, God said, be holy. Why? For I am holy. Allowing sin to just hang around is not acceptable. If you're going to imitate God, then that means any sin is removed out of your presence. Sin will always lead to death. We cannot fellowship with it. We cannot entertain it. We cannot allow it to take root in our heart because it will always lead to death. The last one on walking in the light. It says, therefore it is said, get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is a, a warning to wake up. Quit just going day by day. You say, oh, next, start of the year will start. We'll, we'll read the Bible together, start of the year. Uh, or now, well, once school starts. Uh, after this holiday, after this birthday, after this, after that. We go about our day and we just keep putting it off and we, we're asleep to the things of God. Men, you are the head of the household. We're, we're going to get to that one next week. That'll be fun. Someone want to preach next week for me? All right, men, you are the head of the household. It rises and falls on you. Quit passing the buck off to your wife. That's not her role. But yet, I'm telling you to wake up. Don't allow that stuff in your house. Don't allow that stuff in your realm of influence. It's not okay to just put your head in the sand and like, oh, I didn't see that. Wake up, men. Be the head of the household that he's called you to. 
He says, wake up, O sleeper, rise up from the dead to walk in the light. goes, man, I'm, I'm not going to let that happen to me anymore. I'm not going to walk in the darkness, right? The, the, oh, ignorance is bliss. No, it's not. To not know is your fault. Because we walk in the light. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, just as before we switched over to that, it says, but sexual immorality, any impurity or greed, it says, should not even be heard among you. Not a hint, not named among you, no place among you. Let no one be able to accuse you. Not even a hint of it should be in our lives. Like, like not even, oh, well, it's a little okay. No, it's not okay. Wake up. Sin is bad. It always leads to death. Not even a hint of it is okay. Our lives, public and private, reflect the validity of our faith. Our lives, publicly and privately, reflect the validity of our faith. You can say, I believe in God, and no matter what, I'll never turn my back on him. And as soon as something happens and you turn your back on him, it shows how, how either deep or shallow your faith is. To walk in the light means I'm going to wake up. Last one before we go have family lunch together and all of y'all hate me. So here we go. Walk in wisdom. It says in verse 15, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as the unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to the God, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. To walk in wisdom. Once again, it's not something to do. It's something to be. We have been given the mind of Christ. We have that. We have that ability. It says, but make the most of the time. I call it mindful living. To walk in wisdom is to have a mindful living. That our days are limited. Moms, dads, your, your time's with the kids, even though it can seem like a long time, right? Right now, it's like, oh, man, when is this stage ever going to be over? It goes by so fast. What are the kids going to remember you for? Are they, are they going to remember you? We're gonna, I don't want to get into your business, man. Are they going to remember that when they woke up for school that you were up in the morning in the Word already? I mean, is that what they're going to remember? I mean, because we think we do all these things for them to build memories, to do that, right? How many times do we say that? Is that what we want them to remember us by? I think I remember the times that Dad didn't feel like doing things with them. Yeah, they're going to remember those times. Our, our days are limited. Our days are limited with others. Like we're not guaranteed tomorrow. To be mindful living, to walk in wisdom goes, man, that I might not be with this guy tomorrow. So I'm going to live in such a way that magnifies Christ so that if I don't see him ever again, he will know that Jesus was real. My, my time with my kids is so limited. And as soon as they're out of the house, I, to be mindful, to walk in wisdom goes that everything that we say and do is going to continue to point them to Jesus. Because after that point, they're gone and they're on their own. We have to be mindful of our actions, our choices, and our attitudes and use our time wisely. Take advantage of every opportunity. If you're like most everybody, if you have an Apple phone, you know, you get your screen time notification this morning. Mine did. How convicting it was to see the amount of screen time that I partake in. Because every 
minute of screen time is a minute not with someone. It's choosing to be by myself on my device. That's not wisdom. That's not mindful living. That's me wanting to live for me. Every moment is an opportunity. To walk in wisdom means that I'm aware of how fragile time really is. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, that wisdom allows us to grasp, to perceive, to see, and to comprehend God's will. To be an imitator of Him means to walk in love, to walk in light, walk in wisdom. And through those, we can understand what the Lord's will is. Through His Word. But like, like if we're going to walk as the wise in wisdom, then we need to be in His Word. We need to be spending time with Him in prayer, allowing His Holy Spirit to speak truth into us. Because that's how we will know what God's will is. To walk in wisdom means to live on purpose for God. To live on purpose that every word, every step, every decision is made knowing that it's, for, it's on purpose. It didn't just happen. I didn't just waste my time. To, the, the words there in the Greek when it talks about the unwise people, they're, they're foolish. It means that they're, they're wandering aimlessly. That things just kind of happen naturally and whatever happens, you know, we love to use these words naturally, organically, it just happens, right? Oh, man, we share the gospel just organically. It just kind of comes about in our speech. No, it doesn't. Because organically, we're going to talk about how good the longhorns are. Organically, we're going to talk about the weather. Organically, we'll talk about everything else except the Lord. But to, be, to walk in wisdom, it means to be on purpose for him. To make every step, every choice, every word count. I'm going to pray and then, then we uh, will bless the food and, and go eat together. Father, we, we love you today. Father, let us be imitators of you. Let us be near you. Let us know you. Let us be known by you. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to walk in the light, walk in love, and to walk in wisdom. Thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, a couple of things before we leave. I'm sure I'm supposed to say something. Family nights will be starting back January 10th, which has already happened. So we'll be back uh, Wednesday nights uh, in, the, in the spring. We'll be doing dinner together at 6 Worship at 6.30, and then we kind of split up. We have a marriage class. We have kids, youth, and a Bible study. Uh, so we'll see you guys Wednesday at 6. Second one, family lunch, is kind of today. So it says bring a crock pot. If you didn't, it's still cool. Like, seriously, we have a ton, ton of food over there. So we invite you to join us for lunch right after this. And then last one, uh, no, there's two more, uh, is meet the staff next Sunday, just right over here in this little cafe area. It'll be an opportunity for you guys to meet the staff, ask any questions, get to know us, and so that we can get to know you better too. There will be breakfast. I don't know if there will actually be muffins, but there will be some other stuff there. Uh, and then last one is serve. You know, like we are, we view this as a family. And so we just invite everyone to find an area where they can serve. It, it might not be kids. Get it, right? You might not like other people's kids. I've always say this about uh, coaching, you know, youth sports. It's like coaching youth sports will teach you if you like kids. Coaching t-ball will teach you if you like yourself. You know, like, <laughs> You're like, man, I don't even like myself anymore after coaching T-ball. But, uh, but we, we view this as a family because everybody is serving. It takes a lot to make all of these things happen. And even if you don't like kids or you don't like other people's kids, you can greet, you can set up coffee, you can, uh, there's all sorts of things. There's kitchen, there's worship, music, all of that, those things. So we invite everyone to find an area to serve. If you don't know where that area is, talk to Kelly. She will tell you where because I will not. I don't know all the things. Love you guys. Go get your kids and then go get some food. <laughs>